What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, September 7th, 2020. This week's episode, Return of the Stacked Weekend. We'll be talking about everything UFC Vegas 9, of course the main event, Alistair Overeem versus Augusto Sakai. We'll be discussing the news, especially the return to Fight Island, and we will be going in-depth on the main events from this coming weekend. There are three fight cards, including one that had a major change-up, so stay tuned for that. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. All right, stacked week, stacked, yeah, stacked weekend, stacked month. This is looking pretty good, even though we're uh, we're in a heat wave over here. How hot is it for you? It feels pretty hot. The air conditioner is needed to run. Usually, we rely on just the fans, and we're okay, and you know, ventilate it. No, we need the AC and those first world problems, if I may say so myself. Yes, yeah, first world problems, and we also have the AC blasting, and well, we feel pretty comfortable, but when I went outside to take out the trash, it was it was hot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. It came back in. <laughs> and can you believe summer's supposed to be almost over? You know what? It's true, but someone was telling me this earlier uh, the other day, and it reminded me of how it, it, it always, like the first or second week of school, um, it used to get really, really hot here, and um, it was just almost like a, a final farewell to summer, you know, to remind you, like, oh, you could have been, you know, outside playing in the pool, but you're stuck at school. Uh, so there is always, like, lingering heat wave, the last one. I think that's what we're dealing with right now. No, I agree with you. I, I remember that feeling, too. It's always right about this time. We always get that last little heat wave right before the end, and you know, that's why summer's still technically going, especially in Southern California. Um, we got a stacked show, so let's get right into it. Uh, now, Saturday night, UFC Vegas 9, the heavyweight clash between Augusto Sakai and Alistair Overeem. Um, Natalie, I mean, very bluntly, I was impressed with Sakai. He was doing all the right things in the first 15 minutes. Overeem, and and I said this uh, in my breakdowns before, is that I feel like Overeem's problem is if he's not doing damage with those bursts that he has, he always falls into risk that he's down on the scorecards. And really, you talk about round four, I didn't think Sakai was necessarily tired, but then Overeem makes the adjustment to get the fight to the ground, and suddenly we're talking a major difference Suddenly, this one, is he's really putting it on him. And I'm sorry, it may have been the end of the third. But my point is that he turns it around, and by the end of the fourth round, you know, Sakai's in trouble. Sakai needs to pull something out of the hat when, for crying out loud, he was having his way with Overeem, I felt like. So, you know, just impressive, veteran savvy. I think the execution of it. Whether or not he planned to get it to the deep water or he was just surviving early onslaught, Overeem made me believe, oh, it was my plan the whole time to do it like that. That's a testament to his skill level, his composure, and his abilities out there in terms of what he can do as a fighter. And um, that was just a very impressive win for Overeem. I think he took on a very dangerous fight, not the biggest name, and he went out there and got the job done in brutal fashion. He did, and I, I had similar thoughts as you 
when watching the fight, like, wow, like, this is the guy looks great. You know, skilled boxing. He has really great combos during those flurries where he would drive Alistair to the cage. I also thought Overeem's minutes were numbered. Um, you know, every round that Sakai pushed Overeem against the cage with the flurries, you know, Alistair would cover up, but he would survive. He would survive and he stayed patient, right? That's that's the old veteran uh, savvy there. And, and that was indeed his key to victory, just waiting, <laughs> biding his time. Making everybody think he was he was going to lose this fight, um, and then as you as you uh, relayed, took him to the ground, and that was that was the beginning of the end. It was like seriously vicious ground and pound, expert level, precise, full power. You know, I was really impressed with Alistair Overeem, and and that was a. It doesn't happen that often where you're really impressed with one fighter <laughs> at the beginning of a fight and then it completely switches. The last time I think I, I felt that was when Jose Aldo fought, um, oh boy, who did he just fight? Piotr Young. Young. Yeah, at the beginning I was like, oh my God, this is this is really is his weight class. He looks great. And then just he just couldn't keep it up. But Alistair had the right move, <laughs> playing possum almost. And, um, you know, I think I picked, I picked Sakai to win in the third round. You picked Overeem in the second, right? Yep. And and he got it done in the fifth, so you know. <laughs> you want you, your you, right. you want your right. points. <laughs> well, look, three plus five plus two equals five. Oh, good. That's MMA math, right there. I think we're both right. But no, you uh, you, you picked the right guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, impressive. You talk about the first day of school. I think your teacher will tell you, at Mrs. Murillo, you're not reading the assignment. But, um, <laughs> Oh uh, no! Thank you for um for admitting it. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I just um Sakai showed that he's got a lot in him against a lot of tough guys. I think he fights a lot of those top eight, top five guys the same way. He does a lot of damage the same, just like he was doing to Overeem. So I think there's a lot of positive to take if you're Sakai, and obviously if you're Overeem. I don't want to say the last dance again, because I'll be honest, I used it for DC and now it's like, no, we're not, Anderson's coming up. No, we're not going to say this is everybody's last dance for the next month. But the last run, um, I, I like it. I know, you know, you think about it, take 10 seconds away and that's a five round almost shutout for Overeem back in December with Rosenstrike. I get it. I will say that the tough thing about saying Overeem could get a title shot, he's already lost pretty bad to Stipe and yep. Francis. And so, yeah, he's looked good, but then you have everything going on in the heavyweight division. And I'll say it simply, and I think I, we talked about it with uh, Curtis Blades before, is that him getting a title shot, a lot of stuff just has to go right. A lot of st I, I hate to say it, people, you know, People have to stub their toe, so to speak, <laughs> and not make it to the fights. A, a lot of stuff has to go right for Overeem. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Alistair Overeem to get a title fight in the next year, even if he beats one more guy. Because between Francis and Jones and the possible layoffs, those fights are not going to happen back-to-back, -back, short notice. Not one of those three guys, besides maybe Nganu, is going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm in a hurry to get back in there. Nobody is. So Overeem for a title shot is already tough. Um, in terms of opponents, 
I heard him say Rosenstrike. I don't need to see that. I think if you do that, it's just to stay busy and prove a point. Almost, that fight is almost ego-driven. To me, the best bet, you got to wait and see if Derek Lewis gets the job done against Curtis Blades. Um, also, Overeem trains with Blades now, which is very awkward because it's like, well, y'all are both right there now. What's up? <laughs> and obviously, Curtis got the win. But if Derek Lewis wins, suddenly that's like the path for Overeem. If Overeem were to fight Lewis and win... Uh, let's see where we're at. How long you want to wait? Who's got the belt? Who's fighting? Who's not? Maybe we have it. But as it stands right now, I don't know about all that. I mean, you're telling me that you could have possibly Blades, Lewis, and Ganu, Jones, all there for Stipe. And mind you, that's assuming he defends. It could very easily turn into a round robin with rematches. It's a tough, tough equation to crack for Overeem, plain and simple. Yeah, it's essentially a glass ceiling for him. You know, he's right there, top five now, as of, I guess, today. Uh, or maybe, I don't know when they adjusted this, but everyone's moved up in the heavyweight rankings because DC uh, retired, so. And he was still uh, number three on Saturday's broadcast. Oh, okay. So they just fix it. <laughs> they're, they're figuring it out. Still, yeah, okay. The website so hasn't been updated. They've got Overeem at five, which, you know, normally would be like, hey, top five, that's great. Lots of people even rank lower than that get title shots, so. Um, you bring up a great point. He's he's there in position, but he's not going to break through with uh, with the big names that are at the top. Jones and Ganu is enough to keep Stipe busy for half a year. You know, depending on how quick he wants to return and how ready they are. I mean, you know, there's just and the the the, the conditions that, that that fighting has to have to go under right now. So either he decides to just keep busy and take whoever or he sits on his haunches and waits but it's going to be a minute i'd say this um and this is from a completely overeem what is overeem's path this is not to say that i you know that there's a lot to factor in about what you know will actually happen right but i would say that if you're overeem you're going to have two things happen you're either going to get another fight and wait a long time or you are going to have to just stay busy. Because let's say, you know, Curtis Blades gets in there and gets another win or two. I mean, I'm sorry, but Alistair, your hard work looks good, but Curtis Blades is on a run too. You need to stay active. Um, Same thing, you got guys like Volkov who are up there. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. By the way, Volkov wouldn't be a bad fight for Overeem either. No. But, um... The the fact is, for Overeem, you're either going to have to stay busy or you're going to be waiting a long time. I don't see a scenario where the title becomes a possibility in the near future. I just don't. No matter how, no matter which way things play out, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, quite the night. Uh, dude, uh, coronavirus scared this card a lot. I think it had nine <laughs> fights Saturday morning. It had seven fights by the time John Anik was breaking it down on ESPN+. Plus. Sheepers. Uh, yeah, um, what is it? Kevin Natividad got pulled. Um, Tiago Moises got pulled. Uh, Carol Rosa had a bad weight cut the night before. Um, so her fight with Sarge was off. I mean, it was... Uh, quite the shakeup. I think there are a lot of people worried like they lose one more fight. You know, I think people are saying, "Man, I feel like Overeem's going to get a, you know, 
get the Rona and then we're going to have an OSP main event all of a sudden. And it's like, dude, stop talking like that. But nobody was safe. Everyone <laughs> felt like, dude, anybody could test positive by the time we get to fight night. And it felt like a few weeks ago, um, I know you weren't re recapping that show with us, but with uh, Jojo Calderwood and they had like the guy feigning right before fighting Kevin Holland and all that. And it just became a thing and it's like oh yeah yeah i think we got worried again so that was all just a uh quite the turn of events to watch so to speak you know what i mean yeah these are crazy times and look there's no way for like if there was um a manner in which you know we could all just monitor our stress levels or you know there's no way that we're not just all collectively sitting uh you know living at a higher stress level than we were before like just that's the new status quo is just like a little bit more stressed out than we were last year at this time. And that's got to affect every part of your life, especially if you're trained to, you know, make a living off of your body. So it's just it's just hard for everybody. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, say this. I'll say it right now. Anytime anything shocking or rather bad happens, mind you, I'm not talking about like a big giant tragedy, although we have had several of those now, sadly. Um, but it's like anything like even remotely like, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy. Everyone's like, well, it's 2020. And it's like, OK, we got to stop saying that. It's just. You know, I mean, but it I, is. <laughs> yes, but sometimes it's like, no, really, this is a, this is something like this is just legit bad. You can't just all say, well, it was 2020. I guess, you know, my car had to spontaneously catch on fire or something. You know, we can't be talking like that. But anyway, I rest my case. The fact is, it was a crazy Saturday for MMA. Um, we will talk about this coming weekend. It is the return of, this is our first since the pandemic, mega fight week, Natalie. We have two Bellator events and a UFC fight night. I need to double check. There may be an LFA card in here somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. I think mistaken. there is, yeah. I mean, this is the most MMA we've had since March, February. And, you know, quite bluntly, I think that when... We got into the heat of this. The idea of that happening probably felt impossible. So the fact that we have another one of these weekends, you know, I feel is a is very notable in terms of hey, this is a this this doesn't feel temporary. This feels like the new normal. This is how we get back on schedule, and we've officially reached that point again. And I think that's saying something. Uh, we're going to talk about everything Bellator and UFC in a minute, but. First, UFC made it official. Five straight weeks on Fight Island. Starts this month with Adesanya versus Costa. It's going to go straight through until next month, October 24th, with Habib versus Justin Gaethje. And there's some good main events in there. I mean, Brian Ortega Zombie is great. Um, Holly Holm versus Aldana. Just uh, Apparently, it's going to get the Glover Tashira Tiago Santos fight with that one. I mean... Natalie, this is a awesome stretch of fight fight nights. Personally, it, it's no, it, it com completely is one hundred percent. And you know those fights that you mentioned, Ortega, Home, Aldana, Zombie, like those are great. Tiago Santos, you know, redoing or not redoing, but you know, postponing that one, having had to postpone that one. When you think about just the bookend fights. The fight, you know, the, the pay-per-view that starts it off, that kicks it off, and then the pay-per-view that closes the show. 
my God, those main events alone are enough to get you through the month. Um, but cause, cause those are spectacular. Those are, I mean, Izzy, Paulo Costa, Khabib, Gaethje, like what? Are you kidding me? I gotta go buy another fight Island t-shirt. Like this is not serious. I need five, so I don't have to do laundry for, you know. I can just wear a new one every time. I mean, no, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, you know, to me, uh, and we talked about it um, while you're on hiatus. But when you look at Fight Island as a whole, the last time, marketing-wise, it was a home run. And from if you were to put this five weeks of fights anywhere. It's just still a home run, a great stretch. People would get excited about this. I think the fact that collectively as a group they're on the island, I think that's notable. Um, when I look at it personally, I think to me what's going to really be the determining factor is now that Fight Island, you know, it's not the novelty. Now it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, this and that. And I hate to say it, but people have figured it out. They're not on the beach. They're not in the palm trees. <laughs> does it still have its luster? Yes. I think that it does a bit, but I will say this. I think more than ever, it's all about the fights. Like, I think that the Fight Island mystique really propelled um, 251 to the success, along with, you know, Jorge and everything. It was a great card. But I really do think that these fights in particular, the way that we've had time to anticipate and build them up, I think that's going to be the hook. And I talked with Anthony Walker about this, um, who you guys have heard on the show. And he brought it up. They need to go even further. He said, I want a special canvas for Fight Island. I want some different visuals. And I got to say, Natalie, I agree. I want a special, looks like you're on an ocean, looks like you're on a beach, like some kind of artwork on the UFC canvas this time around. Because just having it look like any other fight night anywhere doesn't cut it. If we're, go if we're doing this, I need it to go crazy. Because I think that's exactly what you need to really push these further again. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Something that to brand... Okay, so they're doing a fine job branding uh, their merchandise. I'm, I'm looking at their page. I've been looking at their page, I should say. And there's all kinds of different like Fight Island T-shirts with, with different logos, so you can tell that they let some team of you know designers just say, "What what do you think a Fight Island shirt should look like?" And they all came up with different designs, and they just slapped them all on a bunch of T-shirts and and koozies, and and you know they're going to charge you forty dollars for them. But yes, that's a great point. They should do something to the actual appearance of the arena, the octagon, the you know the canvas, whatever the biggest place that they can shine a light on hey you're in a special location these are special fights you know fight island isn't just another night of ufc fights it's something very distinctive and we're, we're giving you the best of the best right all over the world this is this is the true like uh, tournament right the true blood sport or street fighter everyone from all over the world converges on this island like they, they should definitely play that up more um, on the other hand, you know, I'm sure that came up in the conversation, right? But but it's it's probably Dana White or somebody else is wanting to to stay true to the branding. 
the, the, the yeah the traditional branding but but gosh there is definitely an opportunity i'm with you i'm with anthony walker on this one it should be special unique and you can sell more merchandise if you do that <laughs> come on did you know that they're selling the stools the corner stools they're auctioning them off i saw the auction yes i got the email from ufc store i did <laughs> what wh- whose are you bidding on I mean, they don't even show you the price when you click on it, so I'm not even going to go any further than that. That's it. You don't want to feel bad if you see the number. It's okay. We A lot of us have those moments. Um, you know what? Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I will say this is that um, if it were me, and look, I guess that's me trying to, this is me imposing my, imprinting my fantasy on what I hope the marketing team does. But I've said this, I need to see like, the sickest promo package play before the fight. I need to see them like it's night. Find like the the one time they had a storm on Yaz Island on the beach and just play that over John Anik or somebody doing a voiceover. Show some sharks maybe. Photoshop it. Do the editing so it looks like they're circling the octagon. I'm saying just go all in. You're already doing the commercial and, you know, not apologizing for it. I say go all in, you know, just have it look like the canvas looks like water or something. You've seen a lot of beautiful canvases in MMA. It's possible. So that's my thing. Just let's do it, you know, if it's going to happen. Um, also, the fights. So i got to go back to it again. When you look at especially Adesanya versus Costa, these are two of the most video game character resembling fighters I think you could think of in MMA right now. Besides maybe a guy like Tony and a few others in there. I mean, Arasanya and his style and his look. He's doing the pink hair now. And then Costa, obviously we know how big he is with all those muscles. I mean, this is a very exciting fight. And I think the fact that it's got the Fight Island shine, if you play into that well... This is another home run on a pay-per-view. I don't see how it can't be. Yeah, the opportunities for just making the most of a really strong marketing team, letting them just be as creative as possible, no boundaries, and then if you need to pull back, go ahead and do that. That's that's the time is now for the UFC to do that. With Fight Island, with with Izzy Costa, with Khabib Gaethje, like, Man, just just get creative. If you need to hire consultants, do it. You know, it's ripe. It's ripe for for doing something special. Like the NBA has what I think is really cool. You know, the way they have the 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 fans and the uh, in attendance. You know, in quotation marks. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. And you have the baseball doing it with the cardboard cutouts. I mean. Can the UFC do something where we can see the fans and the audience? The um, WWE has something that looks really incredible with like just, just. I mean, they're really filling their 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 venue. I don't know where they are if it's their home their home. I think um, they have like a home facility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks incredible. Why isn't the UFC doing something with screens? With with the you know simple at this point technology right screens cutouts like something to to just add to it you can do something. They and asked Dana that I think that he respectfully was like I think our fan base would think it's just a little too cheesy, which I I, I get it but uh, you know 
you and I had this conversation. It's like, hey, if you could honestly get like a, you know, like imagine if you could buy time on the screen during a UFC broadcast as a virtual fan and you could be like, hey, I'm wearing a t-shirt, Bob's Auto Shop and, you know, the promo advertising, right? If they show you before Adesanya Costa, I mean, there is an opportunity there, but I think that as a whole, I think that they feel like, you know, I, I, I'll just say that. I understand the UFC, sorry, the NBA, why they love it, the baseball, why they love it. I think that UFC fans, I don't know, I think feel like as a whole, when I try to take the temperature, I don't see people like, oh yeah, I would love to be a virtual fan. I don't know why. Maybe I'm uh, speaking out of line, but I just feel like that's the impression that we've seen. That's that's fine. If that's that's our fan, our fans that, that they don't want that, that that seems cheesy to them. OK, but something, man, do something with your screens. I don't know. I'm not the person that can right. figure this stuff out. I mean, well, it's I was going to say, what did they like show a watch party? But then it's like, oh, yeah, social distancing. <clears throat> I forgot. I'm sorry. Anyway, it was a good idea in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk some Bellator. So, like I said, this is their first uh, doubleheader Friday, Saturday, back-to-back since March, maybe February. Uh, they were doing quite a few of them leading up to the pandemic, so this is a good sign. But it starts with Friday, Phil Davis, Lyoto Machida 2. This one is very big for the light heavyweight division. you got a new champion running things in Vadim Nemkov. Corey Anderson just um, signed with the company. So looking good in this fight could be crucial to getting a title shot or having to wait quite a while. So high stakes over here. How do you see the rematch going down from between these two? Yeah, this is, a, this is an exciting matchup. First of all, I feel compelled to say this every time. I have true love for Leota Machida. I remember. <laughs> and when I interviewed him in September while I was pregnant, I said, Mr. Machida, do you have any advice you can give me? And he said, just hold your baby because soon he will grow up and you won't be able to hold him. And so when I hold my baby, I think of Leota Machida. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, have, you, have you enrolled him in baby Machida, Machida karate? karate? No, no, because I asked him. I asked Leota Machida and he said uh, four years old. That's the earliest. So. Just well, counting down. <laughs> it's like for his fourth birthday. Hey, yeah. walk on, walk onto the mat. Here's Mr. Machida, Sensei Machida. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm serious. He's going, and I want to go too. I mean, you know, adult class, whatever. I mean, nothing's, <laughs> nothing's stopping you now. You know. Well, he is actually well, yeah. my own. My own son is stopping me now, but soon, soon, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> right, so, so, Davis Machida. Davis Machida, yeah, seriously uh, about that. Anyway, Lyoto is a threat, right? He was, he, you know, he had some, some, some losses, some serious losses in UFC to Weidman to Rockhold. But then you think about it, and like Weidman and Rockhold really aren't the fighters they used to be. And Lyoto Machida is still looking pretty good, right? My big question here, though, is if Phil Davis can take can take Lyoto Machida down, Machida down, right? Which is his his thing that he likes to do. Is Machida going to be able to get back up? And and then speed. So Phil, just because he's he's younger, he's just faster. But Lyoto has that fine-tuned, you know, karate style, and he just blitzes and he you know darts out his his arms like a like a viper. So I just am really curious how these two styles are going to match up. 
at this point in their careers. Is Leota going to get his be able to get his offense off? Like like Phil's faster than him, I believe, but he's also kind of sloppy, a little bit erratic. So I think if Leota sort of like a la Alistair Overeem plays the patience game, stays out of range, and just strikes when whenever necessary, which is kind of what he did against Carvalho. He didn't really have to do that against Chael Sonnen. That was more of a back and forth until, you know, those amazing flying knees. Um, so, so yeah, in any case, it's sort of youth versus veteran, speed versus, I don't know, uh, just like being the super badass Leota Machida that he is. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's what I'm looking at is the, the, the basic differences between the two. And I'm not going to lie and pretend like I'm looking for a, like I'm, I can be, um, unbiased. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just rooting for Machida already. You know, I, I will admit that uh, I'm with you there. Machida for the miles and the years on his career, he's about as fresh as I think you can look at this stage against the competition that he has. Remember, people were saying that Gegard Musasi is arguably the best middleweight in the world, UFC included. And, you know, Machida, like, that was his first loss in a minute. So, you know, that there's not a... My point is like, hey, you can't just take that as a sign of some great drop in his abilities. I will say, though, this fight's at 205. Machida has reinvented himself to be a middleweight. I think even when he moved up to fight Chael, he was a, uh, you know, it was more not cutting weight as opposed to, oh, let me put the weight back on and lift the weights and all that to fight Chael Sonnen. I don't think that, so... Compared to back when he fought Davis the last time and he had only been at light heavyweight, for me, the idea of seeing Machida, you know, taking this fight now is the physicality. I think that Phil Davis is still, you know, I I think he's still got the same weapons he's always had. He's still big. He's still strong. He's still got that Division I wrestling. I think to me, the key is going to be output. Machida's output just absolutely was what hurt him against uh, Musasi. On top of Musasi's accuracy, he did defend well. But I think that um, a Machida victory always goes back to he's just got to throw more. And I know that just seems the counterintuitive to, you know, the Machida unorthodox style, right? But I think that by now, you know, I think enough people have figured out that if you are have those physical traits, you can overpower a lot of that elusiveness if you're disciplined with your defense. Davis has the same weapons he did in the first fight. And if anything, I give him credit, he's gotten better. Machida's got to fight differently. He's got to raise the output. Otherwise, I do see Phil, you know... Just clench him up, tie him up, slow him down. You don't even necessarily need to get the takedown. You just kind of got to work against the fence a la Kamaru Usman against Jorge Masvidal. And you got to think you could run away with this on the scorecard. So Machida victory, it's all about footwork and output. If you're Phil Davis, man, just keep walking him down. If you slow down, if you take a step back, that's when Machida's winning the fight. So... I think that's the key for Phil Davis. I want to see the Machida train keep going. I'm going to be with you there. I do want this fight for Machida personally. And you know what? I think he's motivated. And I'll say this. He wants to show that it's he's not done yet. 
Leota Machida for the win. Unanimous No, split decision. It's going to be a close one. Yeah, split decision is probably the right the right one. I think uh, I think I have to agree with you on that one. But he but I am going for uh, for my boy the dragon split decision. Well, we'll find out. And we're not done. Saturday night, a new bantamweight champion, Juan Archuleta against Patrick Patchy Mix. I don't know how you get a nickname like Patchy, but I like it. Um, I mean, I was like when, <laughs> when I first saw the um, our our breakdown, I was like, oh, it must have autocorrected to Patchy <laughs> from Patrick. Because even when I'm, I'm pretty sure I covered a fight that he was fighting in, I don't remember anyone referencing him, calling him Patchy. Is this like a new nickname, or I'm just completely in the dark here? This is what they call him. It's, it's just Patrick. <laughs> I thought so too, but then it was like, oh, it's Patchy Mix, and it's like, wait, what? But yeah, yeah so, I went on Tapology, and it's like, yeah, Patchy. It's like okay. right there in bold. Anyway, um, so let's talk about Mr. Mix. Um, one of the things I like about this fight is that a lot of people may not realize it, but both of these guys were killing it in King of the Cage, which is a very local promotion. They do travel around, but, you know, small venues, small cards. It tends to be a feeder system. Not even LFA. It's like you do well here, then you make the LFAs of the world and the Bellators uh, on the undercards and all that, right? Combate Americas. So it's a very local, small promotion, but a lot of veterans have gone their start here. Archuleta, I want to say he did win the Bantamweight title, but he did most of his work at featherweight and later lightweight. Patchy has always been a Bantamweight. And I think that towards the end of his time, after Archuleta left for Bellator... Patchy won the King of the Cage Bantamweight title. So they've been on those parallel paths and now they're going to collide in Bellator. Um, in terms of the fight itself, I like what I've seen from Patchy. Great, great grappling. He clearly has great instincts for those just killer instincts for picking up submissions on the mat. Clearly that's his bread and butter. I think physically he's just more suited for Bantamweight. Archuleta doesn't look that big at featherweight. He's probably undersized at lightweight, but my goodness, I when I see him at Bantamweight, I'm like, I do not know how he's made this weight multiple times. I really do think that if there's one caveat to Archuleta cutting the weight is that I do think he sacrifices a lot of that power that makes him so dangerous at featherweight. Um, so this makes it a very interesting fight because I think that Patrick Mix is probably one of the toughest fights Archuleta has had in a while since Pitbull earlier. Sorry, uh, earlier this year, late last year. So, what are your thoughts on the fight? Um, this is a, a yeah a tricky one for Archuleta because of the of the weight cut. Which, if you're following him on Instagram at all, he just looks like he doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. Just muscle and and bone and, you know skin bone muscle that's it and uh doing some serious training at the uh what's that coach cal right what, what do they call the training uh, lab sam calavita yeah yeah there you go so he's ripped now you always have to ask how much does that compromise other facets of his of his skill set probably power is where we're going to see the uh the first the, the main deficit right but he's been counted out before. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a, just 
super determined, willful dude. And then you look at, at Patchy, <laughs> undefeated, a straight-up finisher with, like, pretty much every one of his fights from, what am I looking at, 20, like, 2017 on have all been submissions in, like, round one. There's just one of them, two of them that have been finished in round three. That's impressive. And that's something to, to worry about if you're Archuleta. But again, the, the veteran Wiley of, Arch, of Archuleta, he's, he's, he's seen it all. He's not going to let someone come in and derail his train, right? He's had a, uh, he had a setback in the, uh, in the tournament, but he's, he's going to keep going. I mean, he wants a belt in either of these divisions, and he's going to keep going until he gets it. So it's a tough one, man. This is a really tough one. I, I you know, just based on, on the record of, of Mix, if I'm Archuleta, I'm trying to avoid getting tangled up with him at all costs in the first round and then see what I can, what I can do after that. Um, you got to be really, really, really be on your toes here for Archuleta, if you're Archuleta. Yeah, I'm with you there. Keep in space. Don't get tied up. I think it is safe to say that um, an Archuleta victory happens if he keeps this fight at mid-range. I think that that's going to be his uh, key to everything. Make his open up his offense, sprawl and brawl. I think that's what he's looking to do. Pick his spots. I think that it's going to come down to forward pressure. I don't think either of them are going to be very accurate countering. I think that it's going to be stick and move for both guys. And really, the guy who's able to do that most effectively is going to win the fight. I don't see this one coming down to too many other factors i think if patchy's the one moving forward the most of the time he's probably going to be clinching him using his size maybe take him down if it's archuleta he's probably getting in and out with his shots and doing work and trying to do damage with each shot this is a long fight it's a tricky fight i will say this i think that the added motivation you know archuleta was supposed to get horiguchi last year he had you know, he'd done work, he'd been in Madison Square Garden, Horiguchi left, Horiguchi lost, and then he got hurt, and then they vacated the title. Archuleta's kind of like a bit of that Benavidez, like, hey, you know, it's finally come back around to me again. And I think Archuleta just wants to make a statement, it's like, hey, you know, this is what should have happened last year, even though I got Pitbull, even though I got to fight a featherweight. I'm here now, so I'm going to go with Archuleta. I think that extra motivation is going to power him through a lot of those key moments. That's what my heart says, but my head says that, uh, that, that, that Mr. Patchy is going to catch him and submit him. Um, and I think it's going to be in round two, actually, not round one. Is that what your head is saying, or is that what you are going on the record as saying? Uh, so both. <laughs> uh, my heart wants Archuleta to win. My head is going to... Provide to you as my final answer, Patchy Mix, round two submission. Okay, that's just all I needed to clarify for the listeners out there. Now, it's going to be, um, th that's a competitive one. It's a good one. Um, I think they're very deserving. Sergio Pettis is right there for the winner. Then um, I'm sure James Gallagher and all of them are going to get in there soon. So, yeah, I I'm sure they'll figure it all out after that. But this one moves the division forward. 
Uh, before we move on, uh, some good stuff. I just want to mention it. Liz Carmooch and Kat Zingano both making their Bellator debuts. What are your thoughts on that? Are Not... they going to fight each other? No, 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 no. Just, I didn't uh, think so. Sorry. They're just on. Different, I think yeah. one's on Friday, one's on Saturday. Okay. Um, so I thought, aren't they both out of Alliance? Uh, I don't think so. I know Liz is with them with 10th Planet and sometimes Alliance, but I think that Kazingano works in the Midwest, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. She left San Diego. I didn't realize that. All right. I am a big fan of, of both fighters, but more so probably Kazingano. I really just want to see how she looks. You know, there's been... A lot of setbacks for her. That fight with Megan Anderson, where she wanted to really show what she had, had um, how she had rebuilt herself, and then she couldn't because the eye, the eye, the toe to the eye. Um, and then just hearing various interviews with her over over the years, talking about what she feels was 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 brain injury that she received from the Amanda Nunes fight, lingering brain injury that she had to try, you know, any and every option that she could to to help get herself back to a, a state of being feeling normal. And then later on, she, she's been posting about, you know, her, uh, her plastic surgery that she had the breast implants removed and she feels so much better now and how that had been providing, like, you know, basically made her, her body a little bit toxic. So I really, really want to see, even though time is, is not on her side anymore, how she looks, how, how much have all these issues really set her back and how she was able to, to change her style, improve her style. I don't know. I really don't know what I'm going to see out of Kat Zingano now, but I'm looking forward to it. Liz Carmouche, her fighting style, just looking back at that, you know, fight with uh, Valentina Shevchenko, like there's, when you look at the physique of Liz Carmouche, you expect her to have a certain kind of fight style to be really aggressive and go out there and sort of um, a little bit of a barn burner, but that's not always the case. Sometimes she plays it a little bit too safe. And so what I would like for Liz Carmouche is a strong Bellator debut that leaves a good impression in the fans' minds, that they want, that they want to say, I like this fighter. I want to see who, how she fights um, the next time. I want to see who she fights next. So, so that's what I'm hoping for for, uh, for Liz Carmouche. And for Katzenganu, I just want to see how she looks. What's the new Katzenganu? You know, th this is, I think, the first domino in a very interesting picture for both women. Um, I'll start with the easier one. I think Liz wins. Um, you know, Alima has kind of implied that it's like, look, you know, I'm possibly about to ride off into the sunset. I do wonder if Alima's looking to maybe fight out a contract of, I, I forget how many fights, but, um, you know, just do her thing. And it's like, look, you know, if I fight Liz in my last fight and this and that, but, um, the fact is, I don't see an Alima-Liz clash. They're more sisters. They're more likely to throw a party and birthday together than they are to ever fight. Um, so that's there. I will say, though, Liz coming in, she shakes it up a bit because suddenly, you know, is she arguably the best fighter not named Alima? You can make the argument there, you know, we're going to need to see her compete against the Juliana Velasquez, the Alejandra Laras of the division. All of those fights are going to come after this one. I don't see anything different happening. I really doubt they're going to bother with a Grand Prix anymore now that the pandemic has essentially... We've seen that, you know, it has what it's done to the Featherweight Grand Prix. So I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're just going to get the fights in there. 
So Liz Carmouche, she kind of runs the chance of shaking everything up, and we see what happens with Alima. Kat Singano is the most interesting one to me, and I'll say, you know, for a different reason, I like Kat, I've spoken with Kat, part of me wondered about the move to featherweight, because if you remember, for Megan Anderson, what did we just talk about last week? You had a lot of bantamweights moving up just to give two women fights. It's not because mm-hmm. you were building a division. That was the case for Kat Singano. And so if they are bringing her in at featherweight, which I need to double check, but I'm 99% sure they are. They are, yeah. I can't say I'm necessarily thrilled by the idea. I think that you saw against Megan Anderson, you know, you look at the... Julia Budd, Arlene Blanco. I'm not even mentioning Chris Cyborg because I think everyone already knows that. Um, You know, I I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like, you know, is that decision being made because she's uh, there's no Bantamweight division really in Bellator. There's no champion and they don't really have fights there. I would hate to think that that's the case, but part of me feels like, hey, it could be. And, you know... For Kat Zingano, I've always felt that her optimal weight class is Bantamweight. And I think that um, she took the Megan Anderson fight. Why wouldn't you? Immediate opportunities. She wanted to fight. So all of that together I find interesting. Um, I really feel like instead, for example, if she wins this fight, maybe do that showcase Alima at Bantamweight. And hey, suddenly you have a big fight that doesn't hold up the flyweight title. I feel like that would have been another option, but um, yeah, the featherweight move, I just still find it a little perplexing. I feel like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll just say that. I just don't think that 145 is Katzingano's best weight class, plain and okay. simple. Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, that, that, so that's one, like, you know, if she wins, obviously, then it's like, okay, well, Chris Cyborg, who do you want? Is it Arlene? Is it Kat? Is Kayla Harrison going to pull the rabbit out of the hat and come over as a free agent? I don't know, but she, a Katzengana win shakes up the featherweight plans in Bellator, for sure. So I'm looking at the... It does, for sure. I'm looking at the the fight card um, for Friday with Lyoto and Kat. Leslie Smith is fighting, too, and they have her ranked number nine, and Katzengana ranked number eight. So, you know, maybe they'll want to do something there after after they both fight. See, that's completely possible, too. And I think that's another good fight. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that's what Bellator is great at doing, right? Yeah. Getting, getting these names that everyone knows, setting them up in fights, and then sending them off to, to fight other people, and then back to fight each other. You know, they're, they're really good at that. So I would definitely tune in for a Zingano-Leslie Smith fight. I mean, we've got to see them fight and win. Natalie, we've got to see them win. Well, yeah, so. yeah, but come on. They're going to win. Okay, no offense, opponents, but they're going to win. Come on. <laughs> hey, crazier things have happened. <laughs> Michelle Pereira didn't do a backflip on Saturday. Anything's possible. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've touched on it. Uh, turn of events for this Saturday's UFC event. Um, Tiago, so uh, Glover Tashira on Wednesday morning. He's feeling great, but he tested positive for coronavirus. Um so pretty much the UFC has made the decision. They are postponing the fight. He's going to fight Santos in a co-main event for three rounds, no longer five, 
on October 3rd with uh, Holly Holm and Arena Aldana being the main event there. So this Saturday, we have a new main event. The girls are stepping up to fight five rounds. Michelle Watterson taking on Angela Hill. Um, Natalie, the big storyline for this fight is that, to me, this is the greatest opportunity I think either of these women could have gotten at this juncture. Because to me, I think that when you look at where both of them were at, Angela Hill, the controversial loss to Claudia, um, but then she bounced back. The UFC has her working as an analyst now on cards and doing all the post shows, you know, or doing a post show. I'm sure they're going to have her back later. And then Michelle Watterson, we know how popular she is, but she's on a two-fight skid. Winning a main event suddenly that turns it all around suddenly we're talking about moving back up the ranks again suddenly we're talking about hey being in the mix again so this is a great fight that i think that you know prior to being the main event we weren't really talking about and really didn't see happening so i think this is all big for the storyline of the fight what about you it is definitely big for both fighters (sighs) I was gonna say more so for Angela Hill because she's on the on the rise. Now her record, you know, she actually has as many losses as Michelle Waterson with five less win- wins, so seventeen and eight versus twelve and eight. But Angela Hill has improved a lot, right? Just you you, you draw her, her her improvement on the graph and it's just going straight up, 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 up. Her personality is really shining through on social media, and then as you point out, she has this this gig with UFC now. You know, all cylinders are firing for her. She's riding the upward wave, the the upswing, right? Michelle Watterson is still extremely popular. But there's just something about the way she fights that has just, it's like a plateau, right? Ioanni and Jacek is a hard one, is a hard fighter to beat. And so so that one, you know, okay. Carla Sparza is no walk in the park either. I'm talking about her two losses. But... It wasn't as competitive as it should have been. When you when you isolate Watterson's individual skill sets, you think this fighter should really be great, but but she just doesn't string them together like you want her to when she gets in the cage. There's something that that just doesn't that prevents her. I don't know if it's a psychological block, prevents her from really putting everything together. Maybe she's not getting proper game plans at you know either at the gym or at home. I don't know who's really coaching her mostly these days. Um, and so I think it's more dangerous for, for Michelle Watterson if she loses this fight. And I think it's likely that she will. I think that especially now that we're in five rounds, I don't think she has the cardio to go five. And even if she can stay on her feet, she looks, she, she's not good at hiding if she's tired. If she, she throws one of those side kicks, you know, that she kind of uses like a jab when she gets fatigued. She drops her leg. She doesn't bring it down with, you know, with authority. Like she's ready to go into the next move. And so she really has a poor poker face or no poker face when she's fatigued. And I think even if she happens to be outpointing Angela Hill, which I don't think she will, even if she happens to be, I think that the judges will read that as, you know, she's just the more tired fighter and that's it. What she has on her good side, you know, what, what's, uh, what's, what's probably going to help her out is the, the grappling so if she wants to grab Angela Hill and hold her down, I think she'll have pretty good luck doing that. I still think, though, that Hill's going to be the better, fresher, more active fighter. 
and I expect Angela Hill to be able to outpoint Michelle Waterson. And five rounds, man, I, you know, it, I wonder who agreed to it first and if it was just like, uh, oh, you said yes, okay, then I'll say yes, because I don't know if I would have done that on such short notice. Would you? Do you think you would have? Uh, <laughs> you would have agreed to to add two extra rounds just like that? No, for the same reason that I'm not a fighter. I just, you know, I stay, <laughs> okay. I stay in my lane. Whatever savageness that, you know, gets people in there to get people bloody is just not in me. It never has been. Yeah. All right. Well, yes. in any case, I think Hill's going to outpoint Watterson, and uh, and that's that's how I see it going down. To me, the big fight, uh, once again, it's the size and physicality. And I say this every single Michelle Watterson fight is that that has always been her Achilles heel. She's not as tall. She's not as explosive. And that, quite bluntly, has been the difference in a lot of her fights against these top flight competition. Uh, Rose Namajunas, Joanna, uh, Tisha Torres, you know, those are athletically just more powerful, a little bit bigger women. And I think that that's what led to, you know, those L's. It wasn't a lack of skills. She's very well-rounded, got a lot of that. Um, it is a bit of a back-against-the-wall for Watterson. And not to say that, oh, her UFC career is on the line. She can get three losses and won't be cut. I'll say that. Um, what I will say is that when you're talking about, you know, everything that she's built up over her career, right? She's been in main events and the mom champ stuff and this and that, right? Three losses in a row kind of eliminates the chance for a turnaround in the short, in the near future. And I think to me, that's a lot of pressure for Karate Hottie. Um, Angela Hill, I mean, I think that she's one of those fighters, like, you know, she was alternating wins and losses. She's got a case that she's on a four-fight win streak right now. And I think that's a very strong one. I think that if she wins this one, UFC is definitely going to push her a lot more. I think you're going to see her just... She's going to just be visible on way more broadcasts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that the UFC, they just, they just like her. Same way they like Karate Hottie. The same way they like a lot of people. I think they just like Angela Hill. And quite bluntly, she gets a win here. Um, we're not talking about a loss to Claudia Gadea. We're talking about, hey, who's there in the top 10 for Angela Hill to make her mark against and get a good fight in? That's the conversation changer. So high stakes fight. I think that um, Angela has a lot of weapons that could give Michelle problems the same way that Joanna's, that Joanna did. For Karate Hottie, I think the big thing is the grappling. I think that Watterson is able to work the grappling a little more. I think she's because she's a good striker, I think that she's going to be able to look for her openings to clinch with Angela, to try to work it to the ground. And I think that's the key. You could get Angela Hill down. I think suddenly all of that beautiful striking, it's not as much of an issue. Uh, Watterson's a great grappler, very underrated. I think that that's where this one turns around. Angela Hill, it's all about stick and move and footwork. You do that across 25 minutes, you most likely beat uh, Michelle Watterson. So it's a close fight. It's a tough fight. I do think that the experience on Watterson is going to be what uh, gets it done. I think that she's going to have learned from the Joanna fights. I think that she's going to have learned from a lot of these moments. I think that she's already known she's going to have to fight Angela Hill. So obviously, 
working the ground game, working the takedowns. I believe all of that's going to come together. I think she's going to just stifle Angela Hill enough, score enough points, and get the victory. Unanimous decision. Okay, so we're on opposite ends here. I mean, you know, we're still finding our groove again. We'll be fine. <laughs> no, I mean, the grappling is, is going to be the difference maker for Watterson. So so it's 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 likely she's going to rely heavily on that. Um, but I'm still uh, I'm still seeing Angela Hill, so we'll see. We shall see, Double G. All right, Natalie Z. Well, guys, that's the end of our show. Next week, we will be back. We'll recap everything. We'll discuss news. Also, coming up next week, Tyron Woodley will finally take on Colby Covington. What are your initial thoughts, Natalie? <laughs> I think... Um, nothing yeah. more needs to be said <laughs> nothing more needs to be said yeah ha 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 that's, that's it um, I'll, I'll say this because I want us to be able to talk more X's and O's next week um, for Tyron Woodley this is kind of the one right like you beat Colby the losses to Kamaru and the loss to Gilbert Burns I think are suddenly in the rearview mirror if you're Colby Covington Man, you're talking about, you know, your old buddy George and getting back to your witty one-liners and talking about the title shot again. This is a big fight for both of them. Um, I'll be honest, I'm even a little surprised that it's a fight night. This could have easily bolstered a lot of pay-per-views. So the fact that people are getting it on ESPN Plus, uh, you know, without the extra charge is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And, you know, no offense to, to Tyron Woodley, but, you know, Colby Covington... For better or worse, he brings eyeballs, and so he definitely um, could have could have brought eyeballs to a pay per view, even if he wasn't the main event. But uh, maybe, maybe this is you know, you know, during the COVID times, yeah, some of the the main events are just this is all we could muster for this week, and some of them are no, we really think this is going to be great to help bolster our you know uh, subscription service. So I don't know which one of these this is. Um, and so we'll see well we will indeed next week is going to be a fun show I think we're going to have a lot of fights to recap it's going to be a good one guys take care of yourselves and we'll be back next week